What's up, students at 12 Stone? I'm so excited to be with you today. My name is Derek Island. I'm one of the student pastors here at the church. And uh, man, I have got something that God has been laying on my heart that I'm so excited to give you. And now here's the deal. We are in week two of this series called Stand Up. And this is a series on leadership where we're learning to stand up and lead like Jesus led. And last week, Steve Walton, one of our pastors at our Sugarloaf campus, brought an amazing teaching to us on servant leadership because that is literally the core of how Jesus led. He led out of the posture of being a servant. In fact, Jesus even said this. He said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. I mean, think about that for a minute. The God of this universe, God in the flesh, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And we see that in the life of Jesus, that is the posture he took in every environment that he was in, even all the way to the cross to serve us by laying his life down as a sacrifice so that we could have access to the kingdom of heaven with a relationship with him. I mean, that is how Jesus serves. And, and tonight, what I want to talk to you about is perhaps the most significant area that you must win in order to be a great leader. In fact, without this, you may win at some things in life, but you will always have the tendency at times to burn people as well as come up short in, in certain areas of success because this area is so important when it comes to, to living a life of significance. And so that is this, and if you have your notes, you can write this down. Leaders are committed to personal integrity. All great leaders are committed to personal integrity. Last week, Steve talked about leadership, and he talked about how leadership is influence, and leadership is influence. But here's the key. The key is this, is that leadership is influence, but integrity trumps influence. That, that you can have influence as a leader, but if you don't have integrity, then your influence can go down the wrong path. Adolf Hitler had influence and influenced people, but he didn't have integrity. Even Satan influences people, but Satan doesn't have integrity. The Bible calls him the father of lies. And, and so you can have influence and not have integrity. And so that's why we want to have this conversation about integrity, because integrity is a significant part of what it means to be a great leader. In fact, influence is, is something that will get you the job one day. But integrity is what will keep the job. Influence gives you the seat at the table. But integrity is what keeps you the seat at the table. Influence is, is what will help you one day get married. But integrity is what keeps you married. Integrity is significant. In fact, the wisest man that ever lived was King Solomon. And he writes this in the Proverbs. He says this in Proverbs 10, 9. Whoever has integrity walks securely. Whoever has integrity walks securely. That if you are a person who has integrity, then you can walk securely in life. Because you have a clean and clear conscience. Because those who have integrity are marked with two things. They're marked with honesty and the commitment to always do the right thing. In fact, this is the definition of integrity. The definition of integrity is this, and I'll read it to you. The definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and being committed to do the right thing because of personal moral principles. Now, I think about most people, we 
And we would consider ourselves honest people. We would consider ourselves good people and people who often commit to doing the right thing. I don't think in general most people are walking around going, you know what? Like I really hope to go and cause a lot of destruction today in my life and compromise on a lot of issues that I think are really important to not compromise on. Yet, when we look at our world, when we look in, in our own personal lives, when we look at the people around us, we see compromise happen often. And I think one of the greatest ingredients to compromising in your integrity is pressure. That oftentimes, when pressure comes into the equation, it causes us to compromise. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with high school girls over the last 15 years of being a student pastor. And their story is that, that I got into a relationship with guy, a guy who, who was funny and who was cute and I really liked him and, and I was excited for the relationship. But I wanted to honor God in the relationship and I wanted to keep my personal integrity and I wanted to keep our relationship pure. But as the relationship progressed, I realized that this guy did not share that same conviction, that same personal integrity, that same uh, idea of wanting to honor God in the relationship. And so the relationship came to a crossroads where the pressure of, of going further physically, going further sexually than I wanted to go, knowing that if I didn't, I would have to give up the relationship. And how many girls actually chose the guy over honoring God? And sitting in my office, now that the relationship is broken apart, and talking about the guilt that they carry because of that. That when pressure comes into the equation, it's easy to fall. I think about this. How many of you guys feel the pressure to have good grades in school? Maybe you have the pressure because your parents put the fear of God to give you that pressure to have good grades in school. My parents did. If I came home with a bad report card, it was like, bro, you better like hide because it was about to go down. I was going to get beat down from the feet down. You know what I'm saying? And I'll never forget when I was in seventh grade, I came home with three F's on my report card. I literally thought I was going to die. I thought they were going to kill me. And I made a commitment that I would do whatever it took to make sure that I never had F's on my report card again. And so what did I do? I cheated. I would cheat on tests and cheat on quizzes and I would plagiarize things. I would do whatever I had to do to get the grade that I needed to get and so I wouldn't get in trouble. But all I was doing is cutting corners. I was doing whatever I thought I could do to get ahead. And trust me, I hated to do homework. So I would cheat on whatever I had to do. I hated studying. I hated reading. I would do it so that I could get a grade. Not a grade that I earned. Not a grade that I deserved. But a grade that I had manipulated myself into getting. And it wasn't helping me. I became a Christian when I was a senior in high school, and, and God shortly after that called me into ministry, and I get to college. First semester freshman year, I'm taking this evangelism class. Now, I want you just to picture this for a minute. I am in college studying to be a pastor at this point. And as a part of the evangelism class, every day we get to class, and you had to have a memory verse that they gave you uh, the week before that you had to have memorized. And then when you would come into the class, the first thing you would do is the professor would say, take out a half sheet of paper and write down that verse of scripture from memory on the half sheet of paper, turn it over and pass it in and, and, and get your grade. And you got a zero or a hundred, a hundred if you memorized it and had it written out or a zero if you didn't. Well, often I would forget to study. I would forget to memorize the verse. I wouldn't even think about it. 
and, and I would get, I would, it would be right before the class, and I'd be like, oh no, and I'd pull my Bible out, and I would literally take my pen, and I would look at the verse, and I would just copy the scripture down. And then when class started, I would pull that sheet of paper out that I already wrote the Bible verse down. And I'd flip it over and I'd pretend like I was writing it down when we were supposed to. And he'd say, all right, everybody flip the paper over and pass it in. So, so I did that and I passed it in. And I would get 100 on every one. Now I'm studying to be a pastor. And after class, I'd been dating this girl for a couple weeks. And I was digging this girl, man. I really liked her. She said, hey, we need to talk. She was in that class with me, and I said, yeah, yeah, what, what's up? She said, we can't be together anymore. I was like, for what? She's like, I can't be with someone who doesn't have integrity. Literally verbatim her words. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I saw you cheat on that test. And then she said this. She says, I just feel like, how can I trust someone who's going into ministry and would cheat on a memory verse Bible test? If you would cheat on a Bible test, what is going to give me the confidence when you're placed under pressure from another girl that you're not going to cheat on me? Smoke. I, I didn't know what to say. But I'm going to tell you what, it was a defining moment for me in my life and my faith. I made a decision that day that I would never cheat again. And I didn't. I have since never cheated on a test, never cheated on anything in that way because I wanted to be a person of integrity. And I learned that through a painful experience on, on by losing my integrity on how to gain my integrity and live with integrity. In fact, I was even in college one time and I had studied hard for a particular test and I knew all the answers on the test. But I accidentally had looked over and I saw someone else's answer and they had the right answer. And I literally left the, 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 the section on the test blank. Even though I knew the answer because I did not want to be accused of seeing someone else's answer. And after the class, I took my test up to the teacher. I handed it to the professor and I said, listen, I know the answer to this question. But I didn't want to fill it in because I saw someone else's paper. And I wanted to have integrity. I did not want to, uh, to, to, to compromise. And so I just want you to know I'm cool with missing that question and getting those points deducted. And I want you to know that I'm, that I'm not cheating. I got my grade back a couple weeks later. And at the top of my paper it said 100%. And then beside it, it said plus 10 bonus points for having integrity with a smiley face. See, I feel like you're always, God always honors you when you have integrity. That we can have integrity in our life. And especially when it comes to grades, and the reason I bring that up is because, man, this is a big deal. In fact, research says this. Research shows that, that, uh, that four out of five high school students say that they cheat on a regular basis. Four out of five, that's 80%. More than half of medical school students say the same thing. Think about this. These are the people that are going to be doing the open heart surgery on you one day. These people are cheating to get their way through medical school. That is crazy. That is madness. They go on and says, even the New York Times is cribbed from someone else's paper. According to the Center of Academic Integrity at Duke University, 75% of college students confess to cheating. And this is what happens. We make small compromises when we're in high school, when we're in college, when we're younger. And then because we don't get caught, that carries into adulthood. And we start making compromises in adulthood. And we compromise on our taxes and cheat a little bit there and we cheat and compromise a little bit and cut corners on things at work. 
We cut corners on things in our marriage. We cut corners on things in every area of our life because we've gotten away with it. And it begins to cost us far more than we ever thought that it would cost us. In fact, I would submit to you that integrity is the most important quality that any job is looking for that is going to hire you in the future. It is the most important quality. That's why when you go to get a job one day, you're going to have to submit character references so that they can check up on you to see the type of person that you are. That's why here at 12 Stone, we get a, get a job here. We have three major criteria that we look at. Chemistry, competence, and character. Character is the integrity piece. Warren Buffett, the second richest man in the entire world. He's worth $76 billion. Homeboy's loaded. He has companies, he's an investor, and this is what he says. He says the three most important things you can look at in hiring someone is integrity, intelligence, and energy. But if they are missing the first one, the other two will sink you. The other two will kill you. Literally, what he's saying is, is that you must have integrity. That is the most important factor. Because if you just have intelligence and energy without integrity then you're going to kill the company because you're going to cut corners and you're going to compromise when it comes to integrity. Pretty incredible. Integrity is the most important quality that companies look for when they look to hire someone. And the reason is because people with integrity are honest and people with integrity have a commitment to do the right thing. And so I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about those two particular, particular things. What does it look like to be honest? What does it look like to do the right thing? Because here's the deal. A person of integrity always does the right thing. A person of integrity always does the right thing. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write down the bottom line. And this is the bottom line for this message. It is better to lose doing the right thing than to win doing the wrong thing. It is better to lose doing the right thing than it is to win doing the wrong thing. Because here's the reality. Sometimes when we do the right thing, we lose. Sometimes when we do the right thing and the other person's doing the wrong thing, they actually get the better grade than we do, and then they get into the better college than we do. Sometimes when we do the right thing and they do the wrong thing, they get the promotion because it looks better because they fudge their numbers and their numbers look better than ours. Sometimes we lose doing the right thing. When you're at school and you see someone bullying three or four other, uh, three or four students bullying another student in the corner. And, and you know there's the tension, there's the pressure. There's the pressure of, I know what the right thing is. The right thing is to step in and stand up for that kid who's being bullied right now. But there's also the pressure of knowing that, man, if I stand up for that guy being bullied or that girl being bullied, then I might become a target too. And you're right, you might. Because sometimes doing the right thing causes us to lose. But listen, listen, in the moment, you always lose. Because your conscience is always clear and clean. Because you have integrity. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, the time is always right to do the right thing. The time is always right to do the right thing. I love this story in 2 Kings chapter 12. Let me set up the story for you. The story is of King Joash, who is one of the godly leaders in Israel's history. Which there's very few of those. And he is the king, and, and he looks at the place of worship, the temple, which is kind of like the church of the kingdom. 
And he looked at the church and he realizes that it had been neglected. It had become dilapidated. That things were falling apart and, and it needed some repairs. It needed uh, an overhaul. It needed to be fixed. And, and so Joash, because he was burdened, he called the high priest who would be sort of like the pastor of the church, the pastor of the temple. And he said to him, hey, listen, I want you to go and I want you to take the money that comes into the temple. And I want you to begin saving that money up so that we can repair the temple and so that we can make the place, the house of worship for God, a place that is respectable because it is the house of worship. And so after some time, they saved up some money. I want to read this passage to you because this is such a cool passage. It says this in verse 10. We're going to read verses 10 through 16. It says this. When they saw that there was a large enough amount of money in the chest, the royal secretary and the high priest or the pastor came. And they counted the money that had been brought to the temple of the Lord, and they put it in bags. When the amount had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple. With it, they paid those who worked on the temple of the Lord. They paid the carpet, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, the stonecutters. They purchased timber and blocks and dressings for the stones for the repairs of the temple of the Lord and met all the other expenses in restoring the temple. Verse 13, the money brought into the temple was not spent on making silver basins, wick trimming, sprinkling bowls, trumpets. In other words, it wasn't spent on all the extra stuff. It was spent on the work of the temple and to fix the temple. And then verse 14, here it is. Listen to this. It was paid to the workers to do the pair of the temple. They did not require an accounting from those to whom they gave the money to pay the workers because they acted with complete honesty. I, I want you to, to think about this for a minute. What it's saying here, this passage is saying is that these guys uh, basically came to the stonecutters, the masons, and, and the, the, the woodworkers, and all those that were re repairing the temple, and they just came up to them and said, hey, listen, I don't know how much your supplies were, I don't know how many hours you put in, I don't know how many workers you had, you tell us how much we owe you, and we'll just write you the check. And it says that they acted in complete honesty. That no man tried to take more than he had because he could have. All he had to do was say, well, you know what? I'll work hard. You know what? I'm going to fudge my numbers a little bit. I'm going to add 20% to what they owe me. And no one would have said a word. It's why today, when most people go into work, they have to clock in and clock out. Because the company doesn't trust people to actually tell them the hours that they work. And these guys acted in complete honesty because they wanted to have character. They wanted to have integrity. What about you? When people think of you, do they think of you as someone who has integrity? Can you be trusted? How about this? How about this? What about your parents? Do your parents trust you? You just got real. What about this? What about this? How about the times when you tell your parents something that you're going to do, but Maybe you just leave a few little things out. You're not technically lying, but you're also not being honest. I remember I would always tell my mom, I'd be on the weekends, and I was in high school, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going over to my friend Travis's house, and we're going to hang out at Travis's house. And my mom would be like, okay, cool, I trust Travis, I trust, you know, what's going on over at Travis's house. But we get to Travis's house, and then we would go from Travis's house to Brandon's house, and I would purposely leave out the fact that we're going to be going to Brandon's house. Because at Brandon's house, shady stuff was going down. 
Brandon was older. He was out of high school. There was always alcohol. There was always drugs. There was always things at his house that my mom would never let me go to be a part of. And sometimes we justify and say, I'm not lying to my mom. I'm not lying to my dad. Like, like, like this is not a big deal. But listen, listen, listen. Are you acting with honesty? And are you doing the right thing? Are you acting with honesty? And are you doing the right thing? See, I knew I was doing the wrong thing because I had to be shady about it. If you have to be shady about something, then you're not doing the right thing. If you have integrity, you don't have to be shady. I remember this is man uh, when I was at another church before I came to Twelve Stone, and and, and uh, after church one Sunday, some of the student ministry leaders and some of the you know people that I knew from the church was about ten of us. We went to uh, CC's Pizza, you know the the pizza restaurant. It's like two dollars and ninety nine cents. The pizza tastes like cardboard. You know what I mean? We go to this restaurant and we walk in and uh, we're all dressed up, you know, like uh, just come out of church, and so it was pretty obvious that we were just at church. And, and we go up to the counter to order our food, and basically, you pay the flat, you know, the fee for the pizza, but if you want a drink, it's extra, or if you want water, water's free. And the drink cups are these red cups, but the water cups are these smaller, clear cups. And, and so I had got a water cup, which was clear, and went through, got my drink, came to sit down, got my pizza. <clears throat> and as I'm starting to eat, I look around, and I notice that every person at the table had a clear cup, just like me. Except for in every other person's cup was Coke and not water. They ordered water, but they had poured Coke in their drink for whatever reason. They felt like they were entitled to that drink, which cost the company money. So they were, in fact, stealing from the company. And it was an awkward moment. And I had an opportunity to act with integrity. I had an opportunity to keep my mouth shut. And keeping my mouth shut, trust me, was much more... Fun thing to do because I did the awkward. I said, Hey guys, we need to change our service. And like three of y'all serve in student ministry with me. And you guys ordered water and you poured a coke, and that's stealing. Here's the deal I'm not getting on to you, that's between you and God. But either you go and pay for your drink, or I'm going to go pay for your drink. Because I don't want that to be what we represent. The managers, the people that work here, everybody working here knows we just came out of church. And I'm sure that those people that are not believers are in there looking over at us going, you know what? Is that what Christianity is all about? And they're like, uh. And they went paid for it. Or what about when someone gives you, uh, someone gives you the wrong change back? And they give you too much change back. You say, well, you know what? They should learn how to count. And you just walk out of the store and, and you keep that money and you put it in your pocket. Do you ever consider the fact that that night when they're counting that person's register out and they figure out that that person's short on their money, that that person's going to get reprimanded, written up, maybe even fired and it affects their livelihood? Yeah, they made a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake? See, the integrity thing to do is to give the right change back. We always do the right thing, no matter what. Sometimes you do the right thing and you lose, but that's better than doing the wrong thing and winning. A person of integrity is honest. Not only is a person of integrity the right thing, but a person of integrity is honest. And listen, here's the reality. The reality is, is that, <clears throat> that uh, all of us have lied before. 
The Bible tells us in Psalm 116 that all men are liars, that we've, we've all lied before. But what if we've made a commitment to telling the truth? I think that's a big deal. I think it's significant that we're truth tellers. There's nothing more unattractive in a friend than a chronic liar, someone who just lies all the time. And I think that there's three major categories that we lie to protect ourselves from. First, we lie in order to protect ourselves from embarrassment. We lie to protect ourselves from harassment, and we lie to protect ourselves from punishment. I'll never forget when I was in high school, I played football, baseball, and wrestling, and our football team, we were terrible. And I was a sophomore in high school, and we had, like, won one game all year, and it was towards the end of the season. And we were losing by three points to another team, which was a miracle that we were even that close. And I was a, uh, a receiver, and I was out on the split end, and, uh, and it was the last play of the game. There were like five seconds left in the game, last play of the game. And, uh, and I ran a post-corner route, and when I made the, so I run a post, and I ran off to the corner. When I went off to the corner, uh, the safety bit on an underneath route, and I was wide open down the sideline. The quarterback backs up, he sees me in the corner, he throws the football down the field, and I'm running for the football, and I'm looking up, and I jump up in the end zone to catch the ball for the game-winning, uh, the game-winning catch, touchdown, we're going to win the game and beat this team for our second win of the year, and as I jump up to catch the ball, the ball goes right through my hands, it hits my helmet, goes straight up in the air, I land on the ground in the end zone, and the ball lands beside me, and we lose. And I incredibly embarrassed. And I did what anybody would do. I grabbed my leg and I started wallowing around on the ground like I was writhing in pain because I didn't want anybody to think that I wanted everybody to think that the reason I missed the ball was because something happened to my leg and I got hurt. And I just laid there rolling around and the trainers came over and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like when I went to jump up, I just rolled by something in my leg and, and that's why I missed the ball. And I'm making excuses. I was lying because I was embarrassed. We lie because we don't want to be harassed. I'll be honest, man. Middle school was a difficult time for me. I grew up in a family who didn't have a lot of money. Most of my clothes came from Kmart growing up or Goodwill. And then I got terrorized because of the clothes I wore. I get harassed. And I'll never forget when my Kmart shoes, kids coming up and picking on my shoes because it wasn't Nikes or Adidas or some name brand that was in at the time. And I would just make up stuff. And I said, bro, you don't know about these shoes, man? Man, you don't know about that store? I got these up in New York. I'll just make up stuff because I wanted people to accept me. I wanted people to love me. And I wanted them to stop harassing me. So I lied about who I was so that other people could accept me and love me. Or we lie to protect ourselves from punishment. We know this. We do this all the time. We lie to protect ourselves when mom and dad get mad. We lie to protect ourselves from the punishment. I didn't do it. He did it. My friend did it. Somebody else must have left that out. Somebody else must have done that. And we lie to protect ourselves from punishment. I convinced my, it's a great story. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But I convinced my bus driver in seventh grade to literally drive the bus through a guy's front yard and do a whole entire U-turn in his yard because she had to do a 20-point turnaround at the end of the street. And she hated it. And I lied and told this bus driver that the dude in the house had died. That nobody lived there anymore. She could just do a big turnaround in his yard. We're halfway through the turnaround in his yard. And the dude comes running out the door with his remote control. I thought it was a gun. I was diving under the seats. I was freaking out. The lady stops the bus in the middle of his yard. I mean, there's these massive ruts in his yard, everything else. The next day I get called over 
and I'm there with the principal and the, the, uh, my parents and the bus driver and the bus superintendent. And they said, tell us what happened. And she's like, well, he said that the guy passed away, that it was okay to turn around in his yard and blah, 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 blah. And she's saying all this kind of stuff. And I lied through my teeth because I knew how much trouble I was going to be in. And I'm going to tell you, this story haunts me because everybody in that room believed me and not her. And she got fired. And I didn't get in trouble. This happened when I was 12 years old. I was 28 years old before I finally had the courage to actually tell my parents what actually happened. Because it followed me. It's intense. 